All right, welcome into Burn After Listening, episode 12. Uh, no one thought we would make it this many episodes, so congrats to us. Uh, introduced by a couple uh, of my usual co-hosts today, Wit, how we feeling? Doing good. It's uh, It's been a little bit since I hopped on the mics with you fellas, but it's good to be back. Uh, good to see the weather changing, and it's officially sunburn season. Um, so for all the pale fellows out there, uh, just keep that in mind. We're, we're rolling into this summer. Uh, we're going minimal sunscreen, so hope it works out for everybody. All right. Best of luck with that. Uh, Smokey, how are we feeling? Good to be back um, after a, a bit of a hiatus of just being behind the scenes. But like Wood said, officially sunburn season. I got my nice base burn this weekend, had a nice beach day, playing some spike ball. So glad to be back. Weather's beautiful. Uh, things are all coming up smoky recently and uh, couldn't be more stoked for the pod. Fuck yeah, dude. Great to hear. We're, uh, we're also joined by an extremely special guest, uh, you know, top five burners of all time, multiple no award winner, uh, Ghost Malone. Ghost, how are we? Oh, I'm good. I'm here. Long time caller, first time listener, so... Dude, hell yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I know you have a, uh, a very busy schedule and you'd probably rather do anything else than talk to us. But, uh, but yeah, dude, how, how are you doing? How's, there, how's your week? Good, good. Um, like I said, I, schedule's pretty tight, but I was managed to make time for the burners. Probably too much time, honestly, but I think that's why I keep getting broke up with. But, it's, you know, it is what it is. So Yeah, sometimes it's worth it for the <laughs> you know? um but yeah thank you so much again for joining us um you've kind of had an interesting background i'll just hop into it here um you fighted professionally which not many people have ever fighted at all in their lives so just tell us a little bit about that and how you could probably kick anybody's ass on twitter um yeah i mean it's kind of the funny thing is because when people you know they like to talk shit on twitter and you know say that they'll show up to your house or whatever like that and you know i'm Feel free and more than welcome. But um, yeah, uh, I did start as an amateur, obviously, doing – I did karate, kuksuwan and stuff growing up. I wasn't big in, like, football or anything like that. So um, once you grow up, you know, once you, when you do martial arts, the only way to really test yourself is, like, to compete, which I never really wanted to. I kind of got suckered into it. But mm-hmm. uh, I have a kind of strange career because I never really got to do, like, the gradual uphill slope. I went from here right to the top. You know, I, I only had two amateur fights. Mm-hmm. Um, I beat those guys mercilessly, and I was like, well, this is fucking easy, you know. Right. Then I, uh, when I was – I had a couple lower-ranked fights. I started off 3-0, and won my first world title, um, and I was like, well, this is easy. Then I went to the second one. When I got to Legacy, Bellator, um, wasn't as easy. So those guys were no fucking joke there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it kind of pisses me off. You know, you, you'll see people talk about – in any pro sport, they'll say, um, just for example, Kirk Cousins sucks. Kirk Cousins does not fucking suck. He's one of the top 30 in the world at what he does, mm-hmm. whether you like him or not. But like that's one thing that really does get under my skin is when people, um, when they sit there and say these guys, such and such sucks, Izzy Adesanya sucks, he doesn't fucking suck. At that level, dude, it is no joke. Um, you're living in the gym six, eight hours a day, six days a week. Um, the, the dedication and how hard it takes – not just to do it, but to get to that level is, I can't even explain it to like, I'd hate to say like a normal person, but like somebody who's never done something at that level, mm-hmm. they, they will never understand what it takes or how hard it actually is. Right. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, you've all yeah, you've always got people that I mean, that's my biggest thing on Twitter too. half the time where it's like, these people commenting on the NHL or like these people like these journalists who have never played the game, anything like that. It's like, you don't fucking know what you're talking about. You don't know what it fucking takes. Like you're just an idiot who farts behind a screen, like go fuck yourself. Um, But you mentioned something earlier that you were kind of like you you just started off in karate, you didn't want to like kind of be forced to compete, but you were like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean if you were forced to compete? So you got to remember MMA is only, it's been around for about 30 years, but it wasn't really popular until probably the early 2000s, which is, I know it's not really y'all's time, but like for me, that was when I was my you know teenager and stuff like that. So um, when I got done, I was just kind of over it and done with it. And I had a buddy, he had started watching the UFC and he wanted to go to an MMA gym. And uh, he's like, well, you go with me, you do martial arts. I said, I'm not going. I said, that shit's fucking gay. I'm not going. Yeah. So he convinced me to go with him. I went one night, and I was like, that was terrible. That not, This isn't fun. And then it got to the point where I kept going with him, and then he eventually he stopped. And uh, that's kind of how I got sucked into the M- MMA thing. You know, it was, it, was, uh, it was a real weird thing, man, because I did most of my training at Vice School in, in Chicago, or by Chicago, I should say. Uh, I was there for almost five years, and I was the best guy in that gym. I thought I thought I was the best 170 pound fighter in the world, you know. Yeah. And it's because I could. There was no competition. I was like a shark in a goldfish tank. I just didn't realize that until further down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I got to Legacy and Bellator stuff, when I switched to Half Gracie, um, my coach in Chicago told me he said, "There's all, always always over. There's always somebody better than you out there." Mm-hmm. My first day at Half Gracie, I called my coach. I like, said, "I've never wanted to quit so fucking bad in my life, dude." And he said. Why? There's always somebody better than you, right? Yes, I found a whole gym full of them fucking guys. So, I mean, even as good as I was, there's only one thing worse than getting beat up, and it's getting beat up in front of 20,000 people. I saw me do it, so I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. But, I mean, that's why I just – I mean, it doesn't really impress me or anything like that when people talk about fighting because I've I've done it. I've done it at the top level, so it's like – it's kind of hard to impress me when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, right. Um. <clears throat> Quick question for you, Ghost, uh, long-time follower, first-time uh, talker to her. Uh, now, when you – what does your day-to-day look like when you are in those uh, – not minor leagues, but like the Bellator, those bigger promotions that – those are the real deal. Those are badass dudes that are all vying for spots on a very limited UFC roster. What does your day-to-day look like? Your meals, you know <laughs> – so when you're on like a lo- when you're on the lower levels or once you get to that level, that level, at that level, I had people tell me what I could and could not do. I was not allowed to ride motorcycles. I couldn't go snowboarding stuff like that because they have so much money invested in you. And I'm sure it's probably changed a little bit now, but um, I I couldn't go to the, to the bars anything like that. So once you enter training camp, it was like I only hung out with people from the gym. I didn't anybody on my other friends never saw me, never heard from me. But it's like a double edged sword because those people didn't understand what I went through on a day-to-day basis. They didn't, they, they just get to see like that 15 minutes or that 25 minutes. And they think, Oh, you're a fucking rock star. You know, like, yeah, but dude, the 12 weeks that I spent 50 hours a week in the gym, you know, that's what they don't get. And then you kind of disassociate yourself from what I say, like normal people, because in your head, it's like, I've chosen to suffer. And when you haven't, but you want like to ride the coattails or kind of like you want you want the good part of it, but you don't want to do the 99%, the shitty part of it, you know? So the, the best part about fighting is that real small sliver. The rest of it fucking sucks. It's miserable. It's a miserable, miserable career to choose. But on the flip side, most people will never live their dream. I got, I've got to walk out in arenas, sold out arenas, and I can never explain to somebody what that's like. 
So it's like, it was, it was definitely worth it for me. It just, once it became a job and everybody was the best guy, I wasn't beating everybody up anymore. Then I'm like, there was nothing I could do to ever guarantee myself to get to the next level. But to go back to your, your question is like, you wake, you get up in the morning, you go to the gym in the morning and that might be, that, that might be at six o'clock in the morning, might be eight, depending because there's different class schedules every day. Um, the fighters who actually fight are separated from everybody else. You don't train with the average classes that you're like, they keep them as far away from you as possible because they're liable to hurt you or something like that, you know? So, but, um, I didn't take my diet really that serious. But again, I'm at the time I was walking about 205, 210. I cut to 170 for sure. five years. And then when I went to legacy and both I was 155. So I was cutting 50 pounds and that was fucking miserable. So, um, once you get into the cutting stage, it's a whole whole different ball game. You start cutting food out, and then that last week, you're like, you're basically on the Anne Frank diet. You're on the Cahoots diet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. oh, so wake up early, and then you know you're spending eight hours in a gym. You're saying like, how are you? How are those eight hours being uh, divvied up? How's it divvied up? It just it what depends on the day. So. You got to remember, I had probably between six and eight coaches at any time. So I would have a Muay Thai coach. I'd have a strength and conditioning coach. I'd have a weightlifting coach. I'd have a jiu-jitsu coach. I'd have Muay Thai coach, boxing coach. So depending on the day, who was available for what, because those guys are very, very busy guys. You're not the only dude. So you're trying to get in with everybody else. You also got to – you're trying to train with other guys who are also in camp and then get ready for fights too. Um, my gym was really, really organized about it, and they tried to get everybody on the same card or cards right around the same time. So everybody was kind of in that same thing. You were never – you were never really off doing, oh, just you are fighting this weekend, you know? So um, it was, it, it, it really did vary. It varied a lot. It's especially yeah. once you get to the cutting and stuff like that, because then you're, then you're literally, you're every, all the training you're doing, you're not really training any striking or judicial. You're really just doing strength conditioning. You're running and you're all in a sauna suits, uh, sweats, hoodies, everything, dude. And, and it might be a hundred degrees outside and you're, it's, that's the difference between people that go to that level is like, I have such a desire to not lose that I can never, I can never see myself losing. I mean, I was, I would always go that much further than the next guy. I mean, I would do anything to not lose. And that's where most people are like, they're not okay with losing, but if oh, losing happens, I just, that was like the, they my biggest like the winning more than they hate losing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I hated losing more than they liked winning. Like I, I just, I lost twice my entire career, you know, it is like, and it was the most embarrassing thing in my life. I was, you have thousands and thousands of people who show up to see you and then you get beat. It was like, that's when it really, really, really humbled me. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you, uh, did you not dig like, you know, I, I completely, uh, that makes total sense to me that it would be shitty that your boys would want to be there and just like, you know, just cheer you on and just experience the good parts and be able to say, oh, my boy's a rock star fighter, but not be willing to put up with, like you said, the cutting. It's every aspect of your life, essentially being miserable for 15 minutes of trying to beat the piss out of some other guy. Yeah. Uh, did you have friends that you could confide in that you like wanted there with um, you? In in the, in the gym, I, I had one kid from high school that he was like, my biggest fan. He he just he followed he followed everything about my fighting career. He came. He actually came to the gym and trained a couple times. And um, before I, but uh, this was the, I don't know if you ever seen the flying armbar video, or whatever. But there was that fight. I flew back to Illinois where he was at. 
knocked on his door and gave him one a, a quarterman's pass. And he about, he about shit himself. He was like crying. He was so happy because he got the experience. He got to walk out with me. He got to experience all of it. And like that, he was about probably the only one. The rest of the people like from high school and stuff like that, once you start getting on TV, then they want to be your fucking friend again, you know? And I just, I didn't, I wasn't having it. So um, most of my friends really were in the gym, like I said, just because you, I couldn't really associate with what I called a normal person because I, I was fighting six days a week and I'm, and they were, they were at the bars drinking and partying. So I didn't ever get to do that really in my twenties. You know, I this is what, this was, was what I was doing. Right. So they were doing all that stuff and I was busting my ass to a degree that they will never understand. But um, they did, they did try to come like come crawling out of the woodwork and stuff, but I didn't, I, I didn't really have it. Yeah. I'm right there with you. When this podcast blows up, all you fake people, the fuck out of here. Um, Ghost, I did have a question. Do you think on any level that that guy may have wanted to fuck you? <laughs> Which guy? <laughs> the guy that's, uh, that was like all, that just followed you the whole way from high school. Oh, you're talking about I'm, MMA? I was talking about man-on-man action. I, would, I wasn't talking about mixed martial arts. <laughs> Okay, my bad. That's where I got mixed up. My fault. My fault. It's similar but different. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, so uh, that's a good background there. And then, so would you? You said that you only lost twice when kind of like you moved up to those levels where there are some, you know, like real bad motherfuckers that were just as bad as you. Is that kind of where you you ended up calling it off, or like? Yeah, was, you yeah I mean, once it became a job, it it was not fun. Like, I'm not saying because I wasn't the best anymore, but. Like when I went to Hal Gracie, those those guys were not afraid of me. Like they'd already they, there was guys from the UFC, they were in Strike Force, they've been to Bellator, you know, they've been they've been all over doing that stuff, you know. So I was going from a place where I was like the dude to a place where everybody was it was it was a hundred me's. Yeah. But, and some of them were just a lot better than me, you know. They as much as much as I wanted to win and not lose, they wanted it even more than I did, and I, which I couldn't imagine, you know. You know, right. if I was in the gym five or six hours, they were in the gym eight hours. You know, mm-hmm. they just, they, they wanted to do one more extra round of sparring. I'm like, I'm exhausted. I mean, that, that was the difference between them. Like as much hard as I had, I didn't have what those guys take. You look at like, especially look at GSP or Anderson Silva. Like when they were in their prime, mm-hmm. those guys wanted it so bad. Like they, there was nothing that was going to stop them. You know, they, they weren't going to lose. They didn't lose for seven fucking years. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's, that's, the, that's the difference, you know? And like, once I got to that level and, I was like, there's nothing I can do to guarantee myself to go. And my heart is not in this anymore. Uh, that's when I was like, this it's, it just wasn't fun. Is getting punched in the face is not fun for a living, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I, that was a question I was going to bring up too. Like when you kind of got to that next level, when everyone's just as hungry as you, like what is the actual difference that makes someone better than someone? Like are there just some people that are like freaks of nature that no matter how hard you fucking hit them or no matter what you do, like nothing's happening to them. Like they're just going to laugh. Where is the, uh, the margin? Like what is the, um, the, Oh, I forget what it's called, but like the, the one thing that just separates, you know, this from this, like it's that extra step, you know, that extra step, that extra execution. So it's like, like you have a pie, you know, and, for me, I never really trained wrestling. I fucking hated wrestling. It was boring. In retrospect, it's probably the best martial art you could have because you don't have to be able to beat somebody up to win a fight. You just got to be able to stifle them, stop them, stop them from hitting you and you win. So I lost both my fights to uh, state champion wrestlers. And people in the crowd saying, get up. I'm fucking trying, dude. Like, you think I like it? Short elbow in the face? Man. Like, yeah, fuck you. I hate when people do that. 
I used to be the same way when I'd watch a GSP fight. So like, this is fucking boring. Just yeah, get- it's it's so fucking whack. It's like, it's- dude, like I just want to see, you know, nothing's better than a UFC fight when they're just in the pocket, just throwing at each other. And the wrestling, like, ugh, the wrestling is like a, it's like gay sex. Like it's an acquired taste. It's like- I used to think the same thing until I fought two wrestlers who were very, very good. And like, all they did was make it so I didn't, they didn't beat me up or nothing like that, but they just, they made it so I, I was a striker and they, they completely took all my weapons away. And then they, like I said, uh, my last one, they short elbow, he just short elbow face, hammer fist, whatever. Um, with a broken arm, he had a broken arm and he, and he won. So. Holy shit. Super Jeez. cool. He was actually a super cool guy. Yeah, I broke, I broke his arm in the first round. That back to back fights where I broke guys' arms. Can you feel that when you break oh, yeah. somebody's arm? Can you tell? I have one video of it where you can see the lady referee because his, his arm broke right below the elbow and then it broke again like a door hinge. And you, he, it popped. And I, I looked, you can see me look at the referee, tell his arm's broke. And he's like, look, and he's like, I don't. And he gets up, he's going to hold his arm, and he's. Came back out and fought again. Two more rounds. Fucking shit. That's, that's They let him do that? Yeah, they're not supposed to. They're not supposed to do that, but... Uh, well, I think back in the old day, too, if you told the ref, like, I'm good, like, he was just going to be like, all right, you're good. Unless, yeah, unless it was like... Because you see, like, people go into... Uh, here's, this is probably something. So back when I was fighting, they didn't really... The promotions didn't carry insurance on you. They didn't have to. Mm-hmm. They passed a law in, I think, 2013 that changed that. So, like, you look at, for example, you, you go into a fight hurt, and then you just... Once the fight's over, you say, oh, I hurt this in the fight, and the, the promotion covers everything. You know, so like Patrick Cote, he went in to fight Anderson Silva. He had a torn ACL. He went in there, fought, his knee buckled, he's up, I tore it in the fight, so you got to pay for it. You know, so yeah. that's – it's kind of a loophole. So you're ne- you never go into a fight 100%. You're, you're, something's always hurt. So when people talk about, oh, he's a pussy because he backed out, you got to be – you got to be hurting pretty bad to back up a fight because you haven't been paid in four or five months. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, quick question for you, Ghost. Uh, what's the uh, like? Should you jerk off pre or post fight, or like how soon before a fight? <laughs> it's actually like, funny that you should you should bring this up. So my coach actually had a rule: no sex the day before or the day of the fight. Other than that, I guess it's free reign. Sex, like, does that include jerking off, or should you be jerking off like a lot? Because Tyson Fury, that's with him. I don't know. <laughs> Tyson Tyson Fury was saying. Um, they, he did that GQ interview where it's the 10 things I can't leave with, live without. And he pulled out this bottle of like a lube. And he's like, when I'm in camp, I'm jerking off like seven times a day just to keep my testosterone high. And I was just, that's just a ridiculously high volume of jerks. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious about your opinion on that seems excessive, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it's been so long now. I mean, I don't really remember. What was I, I can't even fucking remember now. I mean, it's been so fucking long, man. Ah, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. So, no sex day of or day before. Before, yeah, that was that was his that was his rule. So I don't know, I don't know where that came from, but it's I'm sure that's, that rule was was broken many a times. Now, post, yeah. post fight, <laughs> post post fight. What is you know victory? Of course. Yeah, you, well, yeah. What was like your you go to like? Room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you what was your like party room. too? Because I mean, I hear now all like the like. So when they go into a big UFC fight, like both guys plan a post party, thinking they're gonna win. Was that the same for you or? Well, the, what kind of sucks is, especially if you're on the if you're early on the card. I was a main event twice, so you have the fight, you got to shower, and then you got to go to all your post fight stuff. You got to do all that media stuff that you have to do, but. Um, if you're all, like on an early card, you have to sit there all fucking night, wait for the card to get over, and then do all that shit, and then you get to go. But yeah. I've had I've done some legendary partying in my day. Let me, I'll just I'll keep it at that. I mean, 
I've done some unforgivable things. <laughs> is there put a, your body through all that? You deserve it. <laughs> Strap. Is there a um? Is there a celebrity that you rubbed elbows with? Uh, that was uh, at a level Great of partying question. as you, or that was like surprised that they couldn't party as well. Or- I partied with Tito Ortiz down in the Virgin Islands, and then uh, I met Billy Gibbons from uh, ZZ Top. You guys know him, but like, yeah, yeah. He- to this day, he probably thinks I'm retarded because I walked up to him. He had a guy standing there. I recognized him. I walked up to him. I said, hey, what's up? He goes, what's up? I go, I have to go. And I walked away from him. I fucking can't. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like, who let this fucking guy out of the house? <laughs> oh, shit. Fuck, that's so sick. Um, okay, so then at one point, do you make a burner and start just torching people online? Was it while you were still fighting? Like, where, where does it come <laughs> No, I don't know, man. I had a I had a burner in back in like 2016, 17 that had like 10,000 some followers on it. It was a Texas country thing, and it was uh, made a lot of people very angry. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I had to put like, uh, Big Cat would respond to me and stuff like that off Barstool because I would troll him so hard. Yeah, yeah. And, not banned for threatening to cut someone's head off with a coping saw because they were making fun of Texas Tech, and then they got banned. But um, then I have, I have other friends who are friends that I would create burners of them, and then those all got suspended. But then uh, <laughs> when, I, when I created Ghost, I thought I was in this world by myself. I'm like, I'm just a dickhead with a fake account bothering people. Right. And then, uh, that's why, like, all these friends that I've made in the burner community, I really owe them to Rick Rollins because somehow our paths cross on some post. I caught – I commented on something. He commented below. I'm like, who the fuck is this old guy commenting back to me? So I clicked on the profile. I'm like, there's no way this is fucking real, dude. And then I saw like some of y'all were commenting back, back and forth. I'm like, these are all fake accounts, dude. So yeah. then I added Rick and then I talked to Rick or somebody. And then all the requests started coming in. Nice. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, Rick's a, Rick's a great guy. I'm glad that was your first intro. Um, yeah, I mean. I, I Rick's, think that- Rick's been to my house. He's been here. Oh seriously? Yeah, dude. I yeah. thought we were. I thought we were. We were going this month. But I'll, we'll come. We'll figure it out for August. Um, so okay. So you, you're a well-known, you know, hater too. So I mean, what, what off the top of your head, like the top three accounts you hate most? Whether it's Kamala Harris to Hooves, all, all in there. <laughs> oh man, my number one hated account is probably gonna be. It would probably have to be. Kai Hoos. I cannot stand her. Neither can she I. looks like she fucking smells bad, dude. <laughs> she looks like those people who make their own soap, that's, but then doesn't use it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great chirp. That's one of the best chirps I've ever heard. Um, Taco Bell is right below it. I just... Yeah. Does she, oh, she owns a mirror, right? Has she actually seen herself? <laughs> I don't think so. I, did you see? Did you see the uh, the snap group where she was like crammed into the camera, dude? <laughs> oh, fucking! Oh my god! Every picture she takes, her she has, she has like her head doesn't fit in the fucking frame. No, I mean like you can scoot it out and it still don't fucking fit. It's like you a know? square almost. Yeah, it's like I don't get it. It's like God started making her and just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's number three? Number three, huh? I would probably say, although I can't troll him anymore, I'd probably say Rob just because he talked all that shit. And I think maybe through the grapevine he found out who I was, and all of a sudden he doesn't say anything to me anymore. He won't respond to me or nothing. Yeah, nothing, dude. He was like, he was like, come and fight me, and you're like, gladly. <laughs> he said he's going to track my IP and show it to my house. Feel free, brother. 
<laughs> Dude, fucking, yeah, why? I mean, I think you kind of invite that too. Like, you go online hoping someone's going to do that. Yeah, and also, like, you can so – the birds who have met me in person, like – I'm a lot bigger in person than what I look like. I mean, I'm 6'3", 240 pounds. So people see me in person, they're like, holy shit. Like when Willie met me, he's like, holy shit. So you're a lot bigger than I thought you were. Like, So over a, a burner account, they think you're just some kid sitting in a basement. Yeah. They don't realize that you're a 37-year-old grown-ass man uh, sitting in your living room while your girlfriend sleeps trolling people. <laughs> exactly, dude. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit bigger than you, so I'm not that impressed, but no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> we, I did see a, a Mrs. Ghost Malone request to follow me, and the bio was something bananas. Yeah, that's, that's the girlfriend. We've been doing this back and forth about five years. We Maybe maybe we'll figure it out one of these decades. We don't know. She's going to kill me for telling you this. Our first date, she called the fucking cops on me because I wouldn't give her a ride home because she was, she was blacked out drunk. <laughs> so anytime she re- replies to any of you guys just comment back why don't you just call the cops on me the- <laughs> i will i will I'm, I'm looking at her bio now it's yeah i'm just gonna read it it's cream pie veteran transphobic backed into <laughs> jay Novakovic's car one time tax a homeless god bless Dale heart these colors don't run wow jay Novacek's the tight end from the dallas cowboys in like the early 90s <laughs> Oh, is he really? No clue who he was. Mispronounced his name too. I'm not a football guy. That's a that's an unbelievable compilation of words and phrases in that bio. Yes, I'm surprised. Yeah, I get some people hanging around me all the time, so she's one of the four people who think I'm funny in person. <laughs> Hell, dude, right there with you, man. Um, all right, I, I had some stuff I wanted to bring up too. If you wanna, if you wanna kind of stay on and comment on this. Um, so I, a while ago, I was with my friend at – we were kind of going through the line at Taco Bell after hockey. And what happened was they're like – the cashier's like, hey, do you want to round up for like the children's hospital? And I was like, no, thanks. I'm good. And I pull forward a little bit. And my friend's like, you, you don't want to round up? And I'm like, dude. I was like, no. I was like, first of all, Taco Bell like writes – they use my donation as their own and they write it off. They don't care. Most of the money probably isn't even going to that thing. He and I start laughing and we're just like just past the speaker. The guy hears us and I give him my card and he rounds it up anyway. And I'm like, all right, what the fuck? So I was like, yo, dude, you round it up. And he was like, he goes, oh, I must have done it by accident. I was like, I clearly told you like I didn't want you to. He's like, well, it's for charity. And I was like, what do you care? I was like, literally, what do you care? Taco Bell, like Taco Bell is just using you. They're using the donation. Nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with me. Like, fuck you, dude. And he got all up in arms, like gave me my food and I left. But like cashiers who get offended that if you don't round up for charity, are fucking bizarre. I ask them to round down usually. <laughs> yeah, I want that charity <laughs> fucking paying for my goddamn meal. <laughs> it, it brought up another thing in my head too where I was like people that get so up in arms about stuff that has nothing to do with them. They either like they, like white middle-aged people on the internet getting offended that like you they think you said something racist. Like anything like that. It's like it doesn't like it doesn't matter. Like no one cares that I said that. But here's so here's my this is what I enjoy about the burners the most is is like if you can go on and say something to somebody and like the sense of euphoria that I get when I know I've upset somebody is like I can't even explain <laughs> it. Like, there's nothing like it. So but if somebody wants to argue with a fake account, they've already lost. Already. They've already lost. And if they can't tell that it's like satire or whatever, like you know, when I, on AOC's thing, I always post, how many sexual partners have you had? Uh, the Freedom of Information Act says you have to tell us. There's people say, that's personal information. Like, you, 
My name is Ghost Malone. Did you read the profile? Like, but anytime, yeah. is that what value their time at? They're going to argue with a fake account on Twitter. And to me, like, that's like, it's like, a, maybe that's what it's from. It's like, you get those constant W's when you know that you've ruined somebody's fucking day. And you know that they're at home arguing with themselves. Like, I love that. I live for that. That's, and I think that's a bit, one of the, my favorite things about the burners. And I think everybody does an exceptional job of that. Oh, a hundred percent. I think you have a good, uh, what's it called? Kind of like a good script too, where it's like, you'll engage someone. You'll be like, who the fuck are you? And then they'll be like, who the fuck are you? And you'll be like, Oh, it comes meaning a lot from someone who shops a trans warehouse, like something like that. <laughs> it's a lot of, like, I've tried some of this stuff in person and it doesn't, it's a lot of misses. Um, I was at this fucking bar in Dallas one time and uh, my friend was bartending. He's like, Hey, I think this chick likes you. So me and my booze brain, I walk up to her. I said, I almost wore that same dress tonight. That would have been weird. She looks at me and she goes, you're fucking weird. And walked away from me. Oh, that's, uh, dude, that's on her. That's funny. That's on her. Uh, I've absolutely used that line before. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great, that's a great opener. I'm again, another gem. That I'm gonna keep in the whole series. Yeah, I've, thrown, I've I've got all the stuff. That, all the stuff that I put on there is like, I've thrown away probably 98 percent of the material that you do it once, you get nothing out of it, you throw it away. So you you stick to what works, I guess. And I'm now uh, ghost. Uh, quick question for you. Like, um, uh, Burner was talking here. How much of Ghost Malone would you say is a character versus how much is actually your personality, if there's any difference? Um, I would say, I mean, it's definitely a character. For the guys who met me in person, they're like, they tell me I'm a really kind, I'm a very, very kind person. I'm a very nice person, you know. Um, definitely. And I think maybe because, like, I get to be that character on Twitter, you know, I think that's kind of like, when you need, when you, I mean, you know, you've had a shitty fucking day, and you're like, I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go on Twitter and see like, and you immediately just start fucking laughing, you know. But you get to be, you get to be that person on there, but while also separating and having like, I think Dirty Mike does a real good job of it too because he has like his shit together. He's a very professional guy. Like he is. I'm outside of Twitter. He's a pretty you know clean cut guy. You go to Twitter and the dude's a fucking menace. You know? <laughs> so it's, um, I would say probably it's probably ninety percent the fucking character. I do say some of this stuff in person, you know, but nothing like what I what I say on there. But I mean, not that I wouldn't. It's just they're two different people, you know. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. A, a lot of it is just characters and satire, and it's what makes it so special. What makes it so fun, and of course, the best part is there's always that underlying grain of truth. In it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, I had I had one more thing here, Gus. I definitely don't want to take up your whole night, but I wanted kind of your opinion on it. So, you know, Cardi B said she misses her normal life. She goes, having everything gets boring. And, I, I mean, I just kind of wanted to see either you. She sounds like an idiot. What? She sounds like an idiot. Yeah. I mean, if she wanted to, like, still be in Chicago, like, stripping and gangbanging and doing that shit, she would be. She Like, it's plain and simple. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess because that's, I don't know. It's I have been rich and I have been poor. Rich is better. So I don't know what that. I'd rather have the problems of a rich man than a poor man any day. So I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. She sounds like she's a moron. Yeah, yeah, I would 100% agree. And on that note of you being rich, can you send each of us $700? I sent e-bumps out to everybody last night. Did everybody <laughs> check their junk folder? or? No, I didn't check my junk folder. I'll, I'll check there. <laughs> I, I, you must have missed me. I just got a K bump. <laughs> <laughs>
holy shit. Well, uh, yeah, Ghost, was there anything anything else you wanted to bring up, talk about, give an uncle's touch to? Um, not that I can really think of, man. It's uh, not not off the top of my head. I think you, you kind of gave me a, a heads up what we were going to cover. Um, I mean, I talk, to you, I talk to you on a regular basis, so I kind of know your story. I guess I don't really know uh, what's for Smokies, so I don't know how they got started in all this. Just, uh, just buddies from college and just, you know, following a bunch of people and then getting followed back and, you know, the, you know, humor wins overall. And, you know, if you're semi funny and, you know, spew a bunch of nonsense at some point, people will see it and appreciate it. And, uh, that's, it's pretty simple, really. I actually, I, I did have one question, one last question for you. I know I don't want to take up your whole night. Was it? A tough transition to your job now after coming from uh, professional mixed martial arts. You know, are you just in the um, room? So the job interview, like most people don't realize, is I have an engineering degree. I'm an I'm an engineer, so I yes. <laughs> so I I did that while I was fighting. I was I was doing school, so um, that's why I travel all the time now. I go all over the country, you know, out of the country like that too. Uh, I do like system integration, engineering, stuff like that. But anyway, I'm actually very very smart. But that is something that I've seen other people struggle with, and the same for me. Because as a pro athlete, you are—that is your life. That's all you're known as. You're always, and even like my friends will say, "Oh, this is my buddy. He's a pro fighter." You're labeled as that your whole time, and they're like, "Bro, I haven't fought, and I haven't been in the gym in five or six years." So it's like it's hard to let go. You have to let go. Of that transition is hard because going from that to trying to be what I said, like a normal person, it's very, very difficult. Because everywhere when I was fighting. The cameras were always on me. Everybody wanted to talk to me. Every, you know, and then going, get, getting away from that, having the spotlight on, to just living a normal life. That was pretty. Tough. It, t- it probably took me a couple years to figure it out. And then it, I would be like, I'm gonna go back and fight. I'm gonna go back to fighting. Go back to fighting. Go back to the gym for like a week or two. I'm like, I remember why I fucking quit. So, um, yeah, I think I didn't say I struggled with it necessarily, but it was it was hard. I've seen guys who are ten years out who still struggle with it. They still wanna, they still see themselves as that person. You know. It's that ship sailed for me once my heart wasn't in it and there was not, you know, it's those guys still, they're like, not like the high school people who think talk about football, but that's kind of how they are. They still think, you know, oh, 10 years, 10 years ago, I, I would have kicked your ass. No, you wouldn't have, dude. No. So, yeah. I mean, um, it's like, in that, I mean, that's a huge at that level too. I mean, even Joe Thornton, who just retired, they, uh, he played for what, like 20, 25 years. And he, uh, he's like still at the rink every day, retired last year. And they said he's still at the rink every day, working out, skating with the boys, like showering with them, like shit like that. It's hard to do. Um, yeah. And then an- another point I'll, I'll close on this one because I, I make this point to everybody is like, when there's people who like, especially at the bars, you get it. And they say, they, do you want to go outside? I mean, do you want to fight or do you think you want to fight? Because there's a really big fucking difference. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, fighting somebody and fighting somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, and on that same token, my, my coach Cruz Randa told me this. He said, just because you don't see danger doesn't mean it's not there. I've been beat up by guys who are 130 pounds and guys who are 260 pounds. So, um, you do got to kind of watch who you, who you say something because you, you never really know what you're getting yourself into. And, um, if size mattered, elephant would be king of the jungle is what the saying is, you know, but so, uh, that's, that's one thing that I would pass on to any of the burns who are listening is if you do want to get in a fight, be very, very careful about uh, who, who you pick. Or if, if, if it was my advice, I would just avoid fighting at all. But 
Um, sometimes you gotta get you gotta get beat up to to learn the hard way, I suppose. Ghost, did you ever, as a professional fighter, have to like register your hands as deadly weapons? I've heard about that before, that's but completely, I, I don't know. That's completely false. So, like, you are allowed to intelligently defend yourself. So, if somebody runs up to you and punches you and runs away, you can't run them down and beat them up. But you're allowed to intelligently defend yourself, is what the law is. You know, um, like when you fight, you register with the like. I have a federal card. My my federal federal license. I still carry it with me. It's fucking long expired, but like you actually get a license that says that that you're a professional fighter and you're registered in the U.S. And then you get your boxing license and all that stuff too. But um, so it's like you are registered, but not in a fact to where like you have to register them as weapons. So that might have been a thing of the the past, but it, it was never anything that I've ever had to run into or experience. Okay, wait. So hold on. On that note, so if it's not like hands or feet, could someone's penis be registered as a deadly weapon? <laughs> Who was it that had that fucking old man ball sack that posted it? That dude needs to register his fucking sack. <laughs> yeah, that Who was, was that? that was like uh that was Juiceman. It's it's your Hermes buddy. Oh Christ. He had the sack of like an eighty five year old man. Well dude, he lost a bet when they were playing Warzone and then had to post his cock on the timeline, deleted it <laughs> a week later, posted his sack. <laughs> well, you gotta, you gotta, did it about man. Well, you know, some closing thoughts. If you haven't seen another man's sack at this point in your life, well, I just kind of feel sorry for you. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, 100%. Well, hey, Ghost, thank you so much for uh, for hopping on. I appreciate it. Appreciate your time, man. We'll, uh, we'll have to have you back on soon. We're going to start doing some drafts. Next week we have Sherlock for a vending machine draft. If you ever um, text me back, which you probably won't. But, uh, but, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. And, Ghost, appreciate it. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks.